Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 98, Connor, 98. Nobody, number 98. But it is my return to Poke the Bear. I was not here last week. Uh, the people got to talk to you personally. You answered some questions, did so. Uh, a great job by you. Uh, but now I'm back. Now you get me back. Everybody. Always right with the world. Yes, I'm back. I'm back. Um, and weirdly enough, quite a lot's happened since um and by quite a lot of, we don't mean like you know trades and things like that but the Bruins are low-key like taking over social media I know right now is in Boston it's the Celtics time give them their space it is the Celtics time and moment they've earned it but the Bruins are out here doing some things on social media you got you know you got you know Bruce Cassidy at the Red Sox game you got Derek Forbert running on the beach with his dog Darla um you have you know Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark and the world championships uh, but the biggest of all those things is uh, David Posternock. You know, I think David Posternock, we forget that these players are just like you and me. They're young. They get, they understand social media. And you know the video that I'm talking about. You've seen it on Twitter. You've seen it on Instagram where uh, David Posternock asks David Krejci a simple question. Are you coming back to Boston? And Krejci just smiles and they both laugh. And I will say, you know they know what they're doing. You know they know what they're doing with that. And you know David Pasternak was waiting the entire tournament to do that exact thing. You know how many times I imagine Pasternak bringing that idea up to Krejci like throughout the entire tournament. Krejci's like, no, man, just, just wait on it. Just wait on it. Just wait on it. We'll do it at some point. Uh, but it has re-entered the question of the conversation. And it's a legitimate question. What was David Krejci saying there? Do we think he was joking around? Like, ah, we're going to fuck with the people like this or like hmm. uh, say I know yeah I mean I think uh in the context of that video yeah I think they were uh hamming it up a little bit getting knowing yeah. as you said well aware of what uh what a video like that would do I also think they were on like weren't they like a beer tour or something like that in like Prague or something like I, I feel like I saw something that that video was like they were on like a beer tour or something like that so maybe they maybe they threw a few back by the time they posted that video. But um, it's one of those things, though, where I'm not going to read too much into the tea leaves, right, in terms of what that video entails, right, of a, a guy smiling like that. It's almost like, remember that, like, that Tom Brady video when he was still the Patriots, where it was like him walking out the tunnel. And like, oh God, what is this? Is he gonna like announce his retirement? Is that a Hulu like, commercial? And, and it was a fucking, it was a Hulu commercial. 
Yeah. It's terrible. Like, so again, reading too much into like videos or ads or anything like that, uh, not the best way to maintain your sanity, especially during the off season. Uh, that being said though, in terms of, you know, will he come back? I think it's on the table. I think the Bruins would love for him to come back uh, because it, one, uh, gives you a legit top six center back. And, you know, people talk about the fact that, yes, David Krejci's older. I think he'll be, what, 36 to start next season. And then you have people, every time I would post, like, a video of, like, Krejci setting up a nice goal in the world in the world championships, people would be like, he's just playing a bunch of fucking plumbers. I'm like, no, this isn't the Czech League. Like, this, like, again, it's not the cream of the crop, but they're still playing against regular NHL players and looks pretty good. And again, David Krejci is not a guy that I think we've talked about this before where his game tails off based on like what his best skill sets are, right? He's not the fastest skater. He's never has been, doesn't have like a lethal shot, but in terms of slowing down the pace of play, uh, you know, orchestrating scoring chances, that stuff doesn't really go away. Like again, and he's not maybe the player he was five, 10 years ago, but can still be a very effective player. So I think it all comes down to what Krejci wants to do. Bruins would love to have him back. They can make room for him. It's a good problem to have if you have to find a way to accommodate him, especially if Bergeron's coming back, which who knows what the situation is there. But I think it's going to come down to just what Krejci wants. Like he had his year in Europe, but if, you know, if that was maybe the plan going into it, that he just wants one year back there, see things through and go from there. That's great. But I'm not going to blame the guy for being like, hey, you know, maybe I'll spend an extra a couple of years here, like right now, the career. I'm still getting money. I'm, I'm in Europe, living it up. Like it's all I think going to come down to what he wants to do, because if, if he has any interest in coming back, Bruins will be more than happy to accommodate it. Yeah. Also, like you guys have family. Moving your family all yeah, the way back to kind the of, Czech yeah, Republic, kind of and then plays into being it, right? like, guys, a year later, going back to Boston. Like, I, I, I think that also is an important thing in all of this. Uh, and considering his family ties, not even just you know his wife and kids, but his parents are in the Czech Republic and his extended family, I imagine, is in the Czech Republic. So like, it's not like he just went to a random place in Europe. Like, this place has meaning to him, as does Boston, by the way. Like, I, I again, like Boston, as he said, has become kind of like a second home. Um, so as you said, it comes down to what he wants from a Bruins perspective, you know, you have to weigh the pros and cons. The con obviously is he did not play NHL caliber talent this past year. That is a legitimate thing, right? I mean, you just, you're not used to it. He is two years older now, or when next season comes around two years older from when he left. So those are legitimate things to take into consideration. I don't think it's expected that he comes back in and you get David Krejci of, you know, 2019 coming on in and, and you know, working his magic. I think it's an upgrade over what you have. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's kind of this, this harsh reality the Bruins have to face where they got to figure out down the middle. Because yeah. even if Krejci does come back, it's it. this is not a permanent solution. And neither is Bergeron. Even if both of them return on like one-year deals, um, you still have this problem you have to face of what the hell is your future down the middle? So again, it's just pushing the problem down further, which again, if you want to just keep, running it back fine but you're going to have to face this problem sooner or later where you're going to have to figure out who you're going to have as your one and two c going forward because right now it's not clear at all right yeah i think that's the main con and it's one of those ones where 
I don't know if it's even a con as so much as it is like a acceptance of reality, right? And at the very least, it gives them, you can almost kind of spin it into a positive, right? That, yeah, getting Krejci back, and let's say it's with Bergeron, or the, if Bergeron's not back, just getting a guy like Krejci to fill in a top six spot. Is it a short-term measure? Yeah. It's kind of like that that meme of the flex seal guy where he smacks the, the flex Still tape swift. against. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where he smacks the, the flex tape against like the, the leak as like a short-term thing. Like, yeah, that temporarily fixes the Bruins to like, you know, top six center problem. Um, but it's something that I think at this point, they're well aware they got to get, get on that shit. Right. In terms of fixing it. So if at the very least, crazy coming back gives you time and an opportunity to, you know, have a team in place that maybe can contend next year. It's again, there's a lot that has to fall their way to have that, but at the very least you have uh, a key spot in the lineup filled in without giving up draft capital, without paying, you know, a, a crazy amount of money for it. Um, and at the very least, like, let's say it's Bergeron and Krejci back. Yeah. There'll be people who are like, what the, what the fuck are they doing? They got these two older guys. Like how much more are you going to run back the same crew? Yes, maybe. But if you at the very least have a competitive team next year, depending on what else they do, and it gives you another year to reassess what you need to do in 2023, when you have a whole bunch of money coming off the books, you are able to draft, another draft class that hopefully you hit on again you have a whole lot of talented guys from 2020 2021 that again we'll see how they develop but you at least have this next wave of guys that you give them another year to develop at their own pace it's not like you bring in Krejci you're blocking uh a guy like let's say Lysel if he was a center and you're like all right like give these guys a run you don't really have that next center and waiting that you're delaying so yeah it's a con maybe in that it's kind of going back you know going through the the same well again in terms of how the Bruins get their success but at this point you don't really have any other option right like unless you want to like really try to go out there and sign like a guy like Kadri or trade for someone could be an option but uh if you're looking at just holding off the inevitable and at least giving yourself more time to reassess things in 2023 when really hard decisions have to be made. It's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like it's could be a whole lot worse. It could be they go into next year and it's coil holla as they're one and two C that's bad. Like crazy yes. Bergeron back with giving them more uh, time to kind of look at their next kind of uh, steps further down the line. I think a lot of people, People will take that. It's kind of like uh, when you were in school in high school and you had a paper due on like a Friday and you've done none of it and it was Thursday mm-hmm. night and you're like, damn. And then the teacher kind of comes up with an extension through the weekend and says, you got to have this on my desk Monday morning. It's kind of like mm-hmm. that, right? It puts, yeah. you know, it doesn't give you a ton of extra time. It pushes off the inevitable, but you do get some extra time to sort of figure things out. It's not a horrible thing if Krejci comes back and the Bruins suddenly have another year to figure out down the middle, whether it be the free agent route, trade route, draft some more guys, let some other guys develop. You never know about like Merkulov, you know, who, how these guys, I'm not saying it's definite, you know, and also, yeah. you know, we'll get to later, like a Jack Stadnika, right? Again, I don't see a lot there. I don't think people have a lot of faith in him at this point, but you never know. You never know. Um, uh, I like the comparison to David Krejci being like flex seal. Like, you know, he's David <laughs> Krejci. Like, that'd be a great meme. You can keep that for Twitter. You know, when, when, uh, when he does end up coming back, you can put the David Krejci uh, lettering on the, on the flex seal itself. I'll tell you what David Krejci is going to look really good on. If he comes back, Burns fans can look forward to this. He is going to look so good and crisp anytime you want him 
on Nesson 360. I can't wait to watch David Krejci on Nesson 360. I'll that is a, be, I'll take out a loan to do that first, Evan. Well, the loan aside, once you get down to it and you have, you know, you can watch Charlie Moore whenever you want, Dining Playbook whenever you want, you get to see David Krejci and you can rewind and watch the whole game. I mean, just, you know, it's hard to there's see. So, there's so many great shows, right? I mean, between yes. that, they should bring back like Socks Appeal. Do you remember Socks Ooh, Appeal? Oh, yes. That awful show where it was like yes. a blind date and be like just some guy from Reading being like, so who was your favorite Sox player growing up? And then they would be like an inning later, they, they'd go to another person. It, it was the worst show ever. And shockingly, yes. the production value was far from great. Was yeah, great cra- crazy how that works over there. Um, mm. this, there was a, there was also that show, was it Pocket Money? Where uh, yes. some guy would go around the street and ask fans questions for like five bucks. Was that? Yes. Was that, yes. Was that it the guy on WEI calls himself Fitzy? Was that? Him? I think it was. Yeah. He'd go around and be like, what was the longest home run hit by Willie Mopena? <laughs> <laughs> no one would know. He'd be on like Ipswich Street and no one would know. And that would be the whole show. It'd be just asking What's... like an obscure question like that. Yeah. You'd think it'd be like very easy questions. That would be like the most obscure thing about like Willie Mopena. <laughs> It was a legitimate question. Uh, Willie Mopena used to hit. I had to look it up afterwards. I'm sure yeah. we'll have someone tweet at us the next day and tell us what was the longest home run hit by Red Sox legend Willie Mopena. I don't know what we the, can't offer money, but no, no, no money. I, I will give a hint though. I believe it was at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. I don't think it, I, I, I could remember. be totally wrong, but I think that was the one because he had like seven career home runs, but they were all like 700 moonshots. Yes, <laughs> those balls all hit Mars. Uh, but yes, Nesson 360 is going to be, uh, in this economy, too, everything inflated to have Nesson 360 come out of the woodwork with 30 bucks a month. I mean, month. It, it sure is inflated, right? They like, yes. you know, I see this thing, but inflation looks like jack up. People will be happy about this. Yes. Yes. All the original programming on there is going to be uh, so terrific in the games. But I don't know. I've seen stuff that says, like, if you don't have cable and you've been using like Fubo, I guess this is somehow a deal. I don't know how that works. So I'm not going to speculate on that but my god the early reports on this do not look uh, very promising uh so to speak but things that do look promising things that are always a safe bet are good friends over at bet online right you are evan listen up guys our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info you can find all the latest odds news and sports developments including this year's nba finals go celtics the NHL Conference Finals, Major League Baseball scores, and all the latest fighting news and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's CLNS50. BetOnline with a game stats stats where the game stats speaking of games starting the eastern conference final started on wednesday night the rangers absolutely wiped the floor with the lightning in game one and we have got we've become accustomed to the lightning being really good over the past couple years i think the book is out on what they did and how they became so good and different things they did but an interesting case is the rangers because the Rangers have been building for a while. Remember a couple the past couple of years, we kept saying they should be trading for Jack Eichel. Mm. Uh, glad, good thing they did not, um, for their sake at least. But they're an interesting bunch because, as I said, they've been building for a while. They've had a lot of high picks. But what's interesting about them is they're not 
there in the Eastern Conference final because of the high picks. Again, Capo Caco and Lafreniere have been fine. Like Lafreniere has actually been fairly solid this postseason. The kid yes. line uh, with Philip Hedel, like, Good stuff, but that's not mm-hmm. why they're here. Yeah, uh, why they're here is more the other draft picks, your second and third round picks. And what's interesting, obviously, you have Panarin, who is a free agent signing, who they again, it's rare to see like a free agent signing do that, that much well. damage like that well so fast. Um, but they kind of remind me of the Bruins back in the the late two thousands, early twenty tens, where they were good at drafting late rounds that, you know, your Martians, your, you know, I, I know Bergeron was a second round, but, but again, that's, that wasn't a first round pick. And it's an interesting because they had Jeff Gorton there for a while who the Bruins once had for like six months. And he was the one who kind of built up their whole run. So um, do you have any, what kind of takeaways do you have from a team like the Rangers right now? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, Evan, in terms of just their road to success was a lot of, you know, getting that, core in place and a lot of it has been through either free agency or you know I think you look at like a guy like Zabanaje like I think every team has a foundation of at least one or two like grand slam trades they have so like that's one where they just got an impact guy for not a whole lot in return but as you said a lot of these other guys that are through you know for you know second round third round fourth round drafting uh hitting on these guys kind of similar to as you said with the Bruins with guys like uh, Martian, even Bergeron is a second round pick. Um, I think that's the biggest key is just having, you know, hitting on enough prospects further down the line. You look at even a guy like Ryan Lindgren, who they got, who, you know, I don't think he was like the headliner out of that Rick Nash deal, but it's a guy that works out quite well. Now, again, like things have also worked in their favor, like Adam Fox being like, fuck everyone like bring me to new york helps out quite a bit like yeah. that like there's other things like that there's like this benajed trade all those things but i think when people look at rebuilding and you're seeing it now in terms of what the bruins have to do going forward it's easy to just be like blow it all up you know tank for Connor bedard and like of course yeah that's great and you look at maybe a team like uh the, the avalanche who have you know hit on guys like mckinnon and uh Macaw and stuff like that or of course like the oilers with McDavid, which gives you just a, a cheat code out there, but it's not the only way and it's not really the most sustainable way. You look at teams like Detroit, you look at teams like Buffalo or any of these other ones that have gone, you know, searching for top five picks. doesn't always work out that way. Like if you already have a core in place, which the Bruins have, right, you've got, you know, you've got a legit uh, number one defenseman in McAvoy, which you could compare him to Fox. Not saying Swayman Shesterkin, but down the down the road, he looks like a potential number one franchise goalie. You've got uh, a top six weapon in Pasternak. Like you've got a core in place that you can build around. It's all about, I think you look at the Rangers and how they supplemented the rest of the core with either drafting, as you said, with like the kid line or what have you. If they can keep this core in place, the Bruins, and you're filling out some of those holes with you know internal options that are saving you money. Uh, and you're picking your spots correctly, like instead of maybe going out and signing a bunch of free agents to plug up holes in the third line, fourth line, that's where you have like your younger players fill in there and you save that money to then drop it on a guy like a Panarin or in the Bruins case back when they were building that core, as you said, that's when you spend money on Savad and Chara, right? Like you pick your spots to then put yourself over the top with this core as opposed to using that money to kind of sign veteran guys. So again, the Bruins are still a ways away, I think, from maybe having as promising of a core as this Rangers team does have, but they're following kind of a similar formula that you took 
you know, 15, 20 years ago, the Bruins would probably be wise to kind of follow that similar strategy as opposed to blowing things up and hoping, just hoping to fall uh, into a, a top three pick, you know, further down the line. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at their the Rangers lines right now, and you look at uh, that third line, the kid line, right? Where you have Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako. And normally you would expect Kako, your, your, your two high first round picks, to be in your top six. In their case, it's almost like flipped around. They're in the bottom six. Uh, but you're still not spending a lot on that third line. Whereas we're going to seem like the Bruins, who spent quite a bit on depth last year because they did not have the draft picks or prospects that they felt could slot in on those third lines. That's an issue. Like that's that's one area where the Rangers did it right. The Bruins have not done it right. Where you're spending four million on Nick Felino, you know, money on Nosek, things like that. Like that's where it does differ. Now, again, they also gave a ton of money to like Barclay Goodrow, right? So that is one area. Sammy where, Blay. Like, yes, like. <laughs> Sammy Blay. Um, and they gave up um, Pavel Buchnevich in that yeah. you know, just mind-numbing trade. Uh, but again, there and it's funny that it's it's interesting the Rangers are back. Because remember this offseason, we're all going, what are they doing? They fired Gorton. Um, they wanted to get tougher and bigger. They brought in like Ryan Reeves. You know, they went out and made some really weird moves. But the core of the team didn't really change. It was the outer uh, yeah. part of it that did. And so they're back. Uh, you know, that the, they're actually developing. And uh, again, I think it's good for the NHL when the Rangers are good. There are lessons to take, though. And I think the biggest one is you have to draft and develop well outside of you got to hit on your second and third round picks and even your fourth round picks. Like, I just think that that's important. You see it with this Bruins team, like think about if they'd hit on a few more of those second round picks or third round picks. Um, and I mean, obviously we point to the 2015 draft, but you know, just around that time period might be in a different spot, might be in a different spot. Lindgren also, by the way, was Bruin formerly. So that's another one. That's yeah, damn good Bruin. Now, he no, a lot of Bruins a, fans would like him. He would be a, a Bruin through and through. And you know he would wear that Johnny Boy Chuck number 55 with pride. Um, rounding out the show, speaking of prospects, <laughs> speaking of the devil, prospects, Jack Sidnika. Um, it's interesting because for the last how many years now? Was 1819, we weren't really considering him for the Bruins, were we? It was more no. 1920 was 1920, yeah. Yeah, that was like, okay, he could make the roster. You know, he's making a push. Uh, so 1920, 21, 21, 22. So we're going on four years here now of waiting for him to develop. And by the way, it takes time for people to develop. Like, we're not sitting here saying you got to jump in and make an impact immediately. Um, but do you see someone like Jack Sidnika coming in this year and making some sort of impact with Cassidy, maybe having a leash a bit longer for these younger players. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all going to come down to what the Bruins do this off season, right? If, if it's Krejci and Bergeron, then uh, if they're coming back, then I think he's going to be at the wayside, which at this point, I don't think you're like, ah, I don't have any room for him again. Like it's one of those ones where again, if you go into this, uh, this training camp and there's a spot for him further down the lineup, I think you should give him more of an extended look because, as you said, look at the Rangers' third line, right? That wasn't a, a group that was really lighting things up for most of the year. And maybe give him a little bit more time to you know, settle into a role there. Who knows what happens? So, like, I understand like probably the frustration for Sidnika in terms of losing a lot of momentum going into the year because we had all this talk about him bulking up, like you know, putting in all this work in the offseason. And he had a really good training camp and a really good preseason and then kind of was on the outside looking in at that point. So it's only natural thing for any player, especially one that probably has put in a bunch of work to 
have that come down afterwards of, of not making the team of what else do I need to do? And yeah, you could, you know, say that he's not had a long leash, but also there's been other times where he's been granted top six looks where, uh, hasn't had much to, to play off of it. Like you look at like kind of the end of the regular season. He had, I think one or two games in the top six didn't make much of an impact. It was guys like Steen or guys further down the lineup that made more of a, an impression during those reps. So it, it's tough because has he been given every opportunity to kind of uh, showcase his, his ability? Probably not, but still sometimes it's all about what you make with the time given to you. And when life gives you lemons. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where as much people think talk about casting and giving guys a short leash, you also need to see something more from these players, right? Like it's the same with like Frederick where it's, you know, benching him in the playoffs. It's like, well, all right, well, well, Frederick as great as he played back in, you know, March and April, you go to the playoffs, he was going through that same identity crisis earlier in the year where he was ineffective and just taking bad penalties. Like you can't have that against a team like Carolina. So it's kind of a mix of both in terms of the state of the Bruins prospect pipeline, at least kind of that generation of the Sidnikas, the Vakaninans, those guys, and maybe the Bruins gave him a little bit more of a leeway. So if there's a roster spot available, which who knows what they're going to do in terms of clearing off cap space, I'd give him a look, but I don't think you can go into the year expecting him to, to be a, a top or just a everyday NHL player. If there was a time to do it, it should have been last year. And I think it's probably more of a statement on the Bruins or maybe just how they didn't plan things out last year that instead of giving him a set role and be like, all right, like you put in the work this offseason, it'll be a spot waiting for you. They then signed Halla, Nosek and Felino and all these guys. Like last yeah. year was the year to really give him that run. So fear or not, it's kind of the way it is right now. Cause I don't think let's say Krejci and Bergeron don't come back. I don't imagine that going into next year with Sneka at like two C and just seeing how they go with it. And if that is the case, Christ, they're in trouble. <laughs> they're in trouble. I think we know what they'll be doing at the deadline if that's the case. I mean, I think they got really discouraged with him uh, at the beginning of the COVID 2021 season. Remember when he uh, when they went into training camp and who was out? Was it Bergeron who was out uh, or, or was someone? And um, Stadnika was in the top six. Like Stadnika's role was going to be top six to begin the year, I think, on the top line. Um, someone, I forget who it was that was missing. But there was someone missing and he was the guy who was going to go in the whole training camp. It was he was the guy. And then he just kind of disappeared after the first couple regular season games and it went nowhere and he didn't really do much. Their leash was very short with him and that was it. And I think they got discouraged with that because I think they thought that was going to be like his coming out party. He was good. That was his time to become part of the upper echelon of Bruins forwards. And he just didn't do it, Um, whether that's coaching, whether that's him. I'm not, you know, I think it's a mix of both, uh, but to still to see that, I think that was part of why coming into this season, they didn't really consider him to be a legit option wild though, considering like, that's a good guy to have in your bottom six, you know, skill wise can kill penalties, can win some draws. Like that's a good guy to have in your bottom six. Maybe that's better for him to have him in the lineup than like Nosek, right? Cause again, like Tomas Nosek, his offensive numbers weren't terrible uh, in seasons prior to this for a, you know, fourth line guy guy didn't score after January, like, or after like January 2nd, you know, two, what was it like two goals all season or something? Two goals all season. Two yeah. goals all season. Same with Nick Felino. So that's money that you could have put elsewhere. That's money that you could have had more cap space and things like that. And you could be in a better financial situation now. So 
lots of blame to go around, but I think with a guy like Stanika, you know, I think it's partially him, but it's also partially the Bruins farm system has not been great in recent years. So he kind of always looked like a big fish in small pond. And it was also like the coaching staff maybe didn't develop him as well as maybe another team could have. I am curious if he ever went to another team, if it actually produced or not, because you know, there's a good chance. We've always joked about DeBrusque going like if DeBrusque went to Nashville for like Matias at home, that DeBrusque would be like a consistent 35 goal score. Uh, I wonder if Stanika would go somewhere and be like, Oh, is this guy's a legit top six center. Um, but only time will tell this year. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. A lot of interesting things to watch. Uh, still waiting on uh, Patrice Bergeron, what his deal is. And if David Krejci decide, you know, maybe David Pashnak will like, you know, uh, knock David Krejci out, like stuff him in like a, you know, a, his luggage and carry on America. Yes. Yeah. He'll, he'll bring him on with him. What the, actually the most Bruins thing that would happen is like Krejci will announce he's coming back. It'll be one of those tweets, like a message from David Krejci. <laughs> and I'll be, it'll be us like getting it. And then I have to like read through it real quick before we can like tweet out what the actual, and all everyone be really happy and like, pumped that he's back and then the next day it'll be like a message from Patrice Bergeron and he's gonna retire it's gonna be like two <laughs> opposite things like that that would be actually the most Bruins thing ever yes the most Bruins thing ever is both of them just don't come back yeah and then people just get really sad but <laughs> the other likely scenario would be that one the one I first mapped out so yeah we will see Evan we'll see we, we will see lots to watch this offseason and when people want to go read some stuff over at Boston Sports Journal with you uh, what can people look forward to uh not just Bruins obviously but Celtics as well Yes, uh, throughout the uh, NBA Finals, I will uh, be helping out our great Celtics writer, John John Corrales, with all of his uh, Celtics musings. Uh, he's over in San Francisco now for games one and two, so it should be a fantastic series there. Um, and in terms of hockey-related uh, content, yep, we'll have you covered throughout the summer in terms of uh, free agency uh, targets, trade targets, uh, next steps for the Bruins, uh, instant reaction to the, I'm sure, plenty of news that will drop throughout uh, the next couple of weeks and months. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So please subscribe at Boston sports journal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter. You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners have a great rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>